0: The historic Senate impeachment trial of President Trump has officially convened. The hour of 12 noon having arrived and a quorum being present, the sergeant at arms will present the managers on the part of the House of Representatives. I announce the presence of the managers on the part of the House of Representatives to conduct proceedings on behalf of the House concerning the impeachment of Donald John Trump, President of the United States. Of course, there was much ritual and ceremony in that formal beginning of the trial. The group of seven House impeachment managers, those are the lawmakers chosen by Speaker Nancy Pelosi to act as prosecutors for the House Democrats in the trial, arrived at the Senate to present the two charges against Trump, one of abuse of power and the other obstruction of Congress. The senators sat at their desks in silence as the rules say they're commanded to do on, quote, pain of imprisonment. As House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff read the resolution and articles of impeachment aloud. House Resolution 798, appointing and authorizing managers for the impeachment trial of Donald John Trump, President of the United States. And though Chief Justice John Roberts and the senators were sworn in Thursday, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said the trial will get underway in earnest next week. So, when the trial does get rolling Tuesday, what should we expect from the process? Where is there room for things to change or get thrown off course? How do new revelations factor into the trial? And is the final outcome actually as inevitable as it seems? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency and what happens when branches of government collide. I'm Allison Michaels. I headed over to the Capitol to catch up with The Post's congressional reporter, Rachel Bade. I started by asking her to tell me more about the seven impeachment managers that Pelosi chose to represent House Democrats in the trial, the people who are essentially tasked with persuading 67 senators to convict Trump and remove him from office.
1: So today, on the floor, we'll pass a resolution naming the managers... As I there
2: was the top two assault impeachment assault investigators trial. in the House, Adam Schiff, who chairs
1: the House Intelligence Committee. Before Congress, Mr. Schiff was a California state senator and served as a federal prosecutor in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles for six years. Jerry Nadler, who chairs the House Judiciary Committee. Before Congress, Mr. Nadler served in the New York State Assembly for 16 years. Wow. Well,
2: everybody sort of expected her to tap these two men who have been leading the investigations of Trump in the House since they took the majority last year. But then there were a couple surprises. I think
1: the one that stood out to me was Jason Crow, who is a Democrat from Colorado. He served his country, our country, bravely as an army ranger in Iraq and Afghanistan before coming, running for Congress. Uh, Mr. Crow was a respected litigator in private practice. And And
2: he has sort of been one of these more moderate voices on impeachment. He has a national security background. He's a military veteran. And a lot of those folks who come from these sort of districts, they have been very careful on impeachment because they can see political blowback back home. Their districts are very diverse. They have a lot of Republicans His district is Democratic-leaning, but it's still, you know, semi-competitive. So that was a surprise to me. He was not an impeachment investigator, and he was not in the room for those depositions. But I think what it signaled was that Pelosi cares about reaching a certain kind of voter who is more independent-minded that this type of member can speak to. We also saw Zoe Lofgren, who is a Democrat from California.
1: This is Chairwoman Lofgren's third impeachment as a Judiciary Committee staffer in the Nixon impeachment, as a member of the Judiciary Committee on the Clinton impeachment, and now as a manager in this impeachment of President Trump. So she's got a lot of experience.
0: Right. And there's also Hakeem Jeffries, a chairman of the House Democratic Caucus, and and Sylvia Garcia, who's a member of the House Judiciary Committee. And they both have experience in the courtroom. But generally, this is a pretty diverse group of managers, including geographically from different parts of the country.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, all except one have courtroom experience. So that's something Pelosi clearly wanted, somebody who's comfortable making a case in public, very high profile. The seventh, who is not a courtroom lawyer, is Val Deming. She's a Florida Democrat. And she is a former head of police chief. She's got an investigative background and she's been in the room for a lot of the Judiciary Committee sort of deliberations. So she's on that panel.
0: And at this point, do we know who their counterparts will be on the Republican side who's defending the president? So that is a point of contention with Trump allies and Republicans
2: in the House. There has been a push to put on Jim Jordan, who is one of Trump's top attack dogs, On TV, one of his greatest defenders in the House. He's a a really skilled questioner, longtime oversight, sort of bulldog, I guess you would call him. He has wanted to sort of defend the president in the Senate. He knows the case in and out. He was part of the depositions. He was sort of the point in coming up with the top defense talking points of the president in the House. But Mitch McConnell here in the Senate, he's been uncomfortable with that. And there's a lot of moderate. Republicans, who are concerned that if they put someone like Jim Jordan, a controversial figure on the Senate floor, that this is going to become, as John Cornyn, uh, a senator from Texas, told me, even more of a circus than it already will become. So there's a debate on that. Most likely, we will just see The White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, defending Trump with his personal lawyer, Jay Sekulow. But, you know, Trump likes the show. And if those two guys stick to sort of legal, mundane legalese, Trump is not going to be happy. And he could very well do a
0: mid-impeachment swap out and put Jim Jordan on the floor. Let's talk a little bit about what we saw after Pelosi made this announcement about the managers and held a vote to formally move the articles to the Senate she set in motion essentially these 48 hours of largely ceremonial process. Let's walk through some of those rituals because they really offered this rare opportunity to see the extent of the quirks of the Capitol. Late Wednesday, there was something called an engrossment ceremony. Can you tell me what that is exactly?
1: Well, this is basically Pelosi making it official. And so with that, uh, uh, we, I will sign uh, the... the The resolution transmitting the articles of impeachment to the Senate, which will be delivered uh, by our our managers, of
2: whom I'm very proud. This is sort of the pomp and circumstance that everybody talks about when they talk about impeachment. You know, the carrying of the articles across the rotunda, the official handoff to the Senate for the trial.
0: The the Sergeant at Arms will make the proclamation. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. All persons are commanded to keep silent on pain of imprisonment. While the House of Representatives is
2: exhibiting to the Senate of the United States articles of impeachment against Donald John Trump, President of the United States.
0: After the Senate receives them on Thursday, the next step in the process is that Chief Justice John Roberts was sworn in. Do you solemnly swear that in all things appertaining to the trial of the impeachment of Donald John Trump, President of the United States, now pending, you will do impartial justice according to the Constitution and the laws. So help you, God. I do. God bless you. Thank you very much. What are Robert's unique responsibilities in this Senate trial?
2: Well, he's basically the impeachment umpire, and he's going to be the one who, first of all, swears all the senators in that they're going to be impartial jurors. And then whenever there are motions to for example, dismiss the case or to subpoena a new witness, he basically oversees that process. There have been questions about how much he would assert himself as chief justice overseeing the jurors, because some Democrats want him to weigh in and to help them get witnesses. And in theory, he could be a more active sort of umpire than we sort of think he will. I think The theory is that he will very much not want to be seen as making decisions for the Senate. He will want the majority of the Senate to rule on what is allowed and what is not. But technically, he can assert himself if he wants, if he sees something that's out of bounds, he can. It's just a question of if he will.
0: So by the end of Thursday, we have the Chief Justice and the Senators sworn in. And then Tuesday, after Congress returns from the MLK holiday, we're expecting to see a vote on the resolution governing the trial, a vote on how the trial is going to work. What do we expect to see in that resolution? So that will be, from our
2: expectation, our reporting will be a completely a party line vote. Democrats, since Trump was impeached on December 18th, have been saying they want Republicans to commit to certain witnesses to have in the trial before they back any sort of resolution. And so I don't think you'll see any Democrats vote for this resolution. Their demand has been they want to see these witnesses. And McConnell has refused to give them that promise. On the other hand, on Republican side, there are some moderate Democrats who say they might be open to witnesses, but they want to use the, quote, Clinton model. And this is sort of what happened with Bill Clinton in the 1990s. They actually began the trial and they began open arguments and questions, and they didn't deal with the question of witnesses until after all that, you know, phase one stuff was finished. So uh, it's going to be a party line vote for
0: sure. So and we might see that witness vote come later on.
2: Yeah, I think that it'll probably be a week and a half before we get there. But tucked into this resolution is sort of a victory of these moderate Senate Republicans. And that is they convinced McConnell to have a vote at some point at the end of arguments and questions on do they need more evidence do they need to call in new witnesses and so there will be that vote it's just a matter of time
0: what about calling the president among those witnesses is that a likely
2: consideration in this process it's a really good question i have heard some republicans say privately um they think it would be incredible if he just showed up willy nilly on his own and defended himself in the chamber i doubt that is going to happen but but yeah you know (laughs) Yes I mean this has only been this is the the third time this has happened in American history and the rule book is by and large very much unwritten and so you know we, who
0: knows what we'll see Senate Democrats have been talking for weeks about bringing in witnesses how would they get a majority to actually do so so right now there are 47. Democrats
2: uh, in the Senate and 53 Republicans. And it's all about math right now. So 51 senators, whatever 51 senators want to do, that is what is going to happen in this impeachment trial. And so what that means is that Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader over here, is going to have to find four Republicans to join him and totally breaking from their party leadership to agree to bring somebody in. That might not seem like a lot, but McConnell knows his members so well, and he's been very conscious of what they need in this process. It would be a really big deal if they buck their party leadership and go with Schumer on this. So we've already heard from three Senate Republicans that have very much signaled that they're open to this. Susan Collins of Maine, she is a moderate member who is up in 2020 and could have a very difficult race. So she's got to be seen as an independent mind on impeachment. There's Mitt Romney, a Republican from Utah who's always been a critic of the president and was one of the first members who came out and said... His pressure on Ukraine for an investigation was totally inappropriate. He's somebody to watch. And then Lisa Murkowski is a Republican from Alaska. Uh, She voted against Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. So she's very independent-minded. But that's three. That's not four. And there's been a lot of people speculating on could they get a fourth? There are a number of Senate Republicans who are up in 2020 in swing states, Cory Gardner in Colorado, Martha McSally in Arizona. But these people typically stay with the team. And I would be very surprised if you see one of them break. So the question really is, can they find that fourth? I'm not sure that they can, but that is going to be that very much could change, you know, how long this impeachment trial goes. Potentially, even if we see new revelations, it all sort of rides on them getting that fourth Senate Republican.
0: And on the point of new revelations, we've seen some over the past few days, Lev Parnas, an associate of Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, recently sent documents over to House investigators. And those documents have have so far exposed a few different things. And among them, new details about efforts by Giuliani and, and his associates to obtain material in Ukraine that would undermine Trump's Democratic opponents. And the documents have also included text messages between Parnas and an associate who seems to be tracking Marie Ivanovich, who as we know, is the former ambassador to Ukraine who was removed by Trump. So my question is, can evidence like this be formally introduced in the Senate trial, even as it comes after the House inquiry has formally ended?
2: It depends on who you ask. I think that this is going to be something they might end up debating on on Tuesday when they return and begin talking about the process and how the trial will unfold. We've heard from Senate Republicans who do think it would be allowed, and then some Republicans who think it shouldn't be allowed. One of the arguments that a lot of Trump's top allies on the Hill have been making is that, you know, we can only hear the House's case. We can only hear what the House has presented and what the House has voted on. We can't go beyond that with new evidence. And that's sort of their argument against calling new witnesses. Now, there is not a rule that says that anywhere, I will point out. So I don't know. You know, if they have 51 Republicans who believe that, sure, they could probably keep new evidence from coming into the trial. And that's because everything in impeachment is going to be very much uh, a majority rule. But I do think that there are Senate Republicans who do want to see these documents. And it's interesting because the Democrats, Lev Parnas has been trying to sort of get their attention now for weeks, and they chose not to call him in when they were doing their their own investigation. Well, now a lot of this stuff is coming out. And I do think it's sort of an interesting question for them as well as the Republicans. Should you guys have waited and called him in to get more information?
0: And as new potential information continues to emerge, might there be continued votes about whether or not to include each piece, or is it sort of one blanket vote at one time? Apparently, in the previous impeachment,
2: there was some sort of language in the resolution governing Clinton that no new evidence would be presented. But this is, I mean, things are coming out on a daily basis almost. Senate Republicans have to think about how voters are going to see this. And a lot of them will tell you they don't want that talking point that Democrats have right now about a sham trial, a rigged trial. They don't like that. And they want to avoid that appearance. So I think it would be pretty controversial if they ruled against including new evidence, whether it's you know one vote or if they have to deliberate every single day on
0: new evidence that could very much elongate the process. Let's talk about what we do know about the process. What do we expect to see after the resolution is voted on? What will the next few weeks look like? So the big thing
2: we're watching right now is what happens with a motion to dismiss. There has been talk for, I, I think, since probably October, Senator Rand Paul, a Kentucky Republican, sort of started talking about this idea of what if we don't even have a trial? What if we just totally toss it out and say this evidence isn't good enough for any trial. And that idea very much appealed to President Trump. And President Trump has been sort of going back and forth with, again, Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, who does not believe this is a vote they should have. There are Senate Republicans who would vote against a motion to dismiss. And the thinking amongst McConnell and the Senate Republican leadership is that it's going to be very divisive. It's going to divide Republicans and it's going to embarrass the president because then the headline becomes the GOP-controlled Senate refuses to dismiss these impeachment charges, which gives them potentially more heft in the eyes of the public. So that is the first thing we're going to, it's like very much a test about whether the president listens to McConnell, or does he sort of go with his gut, which is, you know, he was tweeting about this over the weekend. He's just saying it's a witch hunt. By taking up these articles, the Senate would be saying they agree with this these charges or saying it's okay that they charged me with these items, and they should just dismiss it. So we'll see if he listens to McConnell on that.
0: Well, the White House has said that they don't expect this process to last longer than two weeks. Is that a realistic assessment, and what's driving them to that conclusion? Yeah. So this has been,
2: I would say, the favorite parlor game right now. Like, how long is this going to last? If you look back to Clinton's impeachment, even though it was very short, there were days where they didn't do anything but meet amongst themselves to talk about what they heard, to talk about next steps. The only way they can get this done by, I think, February 1st is currently the the goal for a lot of Senate Republicans, is if they cut those days out and they just work on this every single day for six days a week. It would also require that the defense and the prosecutors not take a full 24 hours to present their case, which traditionally they do. My understanding is that Trump's defense team doesn't think they need that long. And I don't know if they're just going to take one day, but they can take up to like three or four. I think a lot of Republicans want Trump to show up at the State of the Union on February 4th and say, you know, I'm an acquitted president. That's like, A top goal for a lot of Senate Republicans. And I think that they're willing to move
0: very fast in order to achieve that. I'm not sure if they can do it, but I'm certain they're going to try. And what are some of the moments that could alter the direction or the focus of the trial or really sabotage that timeline? The top one is the question of witnesses. And that would come probably the day
2: before a vote to acquit. That's going to be one of the final questions of the trial. And it will determine if they if 51 senators vote to Bring in new witnesses and bring in new evidence. That will extend the trial for another couple weeks at least. We are already seeing Senate Republicans come up with this plan B. If the Democrats get enough votes to call in witnesses like the former National Security Advisor John Bolton, they're going to go after Hunter Biden and potentially even Joe Biden, which is going to have 2020 repercussions because he'll be on the trail and he'll have to come in and testify. So there's this thinking that there'll be mutual assured destruction, as McConnell is calling it right now. And that could really elongate the process. You could hear people try to call in Lev Parnas. I don't know. Democrats have sort of been keeping him a little bit out of at a distance right now. But I just think if they have 51 votes to open... Up the trial even more and bring in witnesses, it's a free for all and it could go on for a really long time.
0: My final question to you in this process, sometimes it's hard to remember that the Senate actually has other things that they might (laughs) try to do. So I'm wondering if you have any insight into other key priorities for the Senate during this time. There's room for them to do some things in the morning. What might they try to accomplish? So my understanding on this is that they won't be able to do a lot, that this becomes
2: a top priority and that everything else is very much put on the side. I mean, clearly. Committees could probably have hearings if they want in the morning, but this is going to very much suck up all the oxygen on Capitol Hill, especially in the Senate. And I think that that's why you saw McConnell move very quickly to try to get USMCA, the trade deal sort of finalized, get it done. But yeah, the Senate has a whole list of judicial nominees they want to confirm. Everything for now is going to be very much on hold.
0: All right, Rachel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? If you want to get more news about impeachment, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on impeachment in one place, including the latest from Can He Do That, Post Reports, and The Daily 202's Big Idea, updated whenever news happens. Subscribe at WashingtonPost.com podcasts. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the astute Carol Alderman with help from Ariel Plotnick. Design help from Kat Rudell Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon.